So I'm getting ready for this Queen Deep Dive today, and I'm listening to this song, listening to it for the millionth time. Okay, maybe not the millionth. I've listened to it a lot, many times, a plethora of times, this song, and I've always liked it. You know, I've always liked it. It's always been something I can rock out to. It's always been one of those that... I wouldn't say it was super high on my list, but it was it was pretty high. Yeah. So I'm listening to it several times over and I'm taking it in. The production, the melodies, the harmonies, the vocal performances, the guitar, the bass, the drums, the piano. I'm just taking it in. I'm listening to it. And this entire album I have been so impressed with The production work, yes, I've talked about this. I've talked about the amazing production of Queen's fifth album, A Day at the Races, which they produced themselves. So I'm listening to this song, and I think, you know what? This is really a one-off, great, absolutely stunning song. I love this song. And again, that's not to say I didn't like it. But all of a sudden, I'm just like, what? And I can't tell you how crazy it is that this has happened because I've heard this thing so many times. And all of a sudden, it's like this huge, warm, orange and yellow light just shined in my face. And here I am in love with this song more than I ever was. The one and only song that was Freddie's favorite song. Not just his favorite Queen song, but I think it was his favorite song because he never wanted to say that. He actually felt bad that his favorite song was something he wrote. But it is Somebody to Love. Somebody to Love. Fine. (laughs) I've been thinking about it all day. I've been excited to do this all day day. This is dive number 52, track number six. We're kicking off the second side of a day at the races with Freddie Mercury's beloved somebody to love. The gospel rock ballad, the one thing Queen ever did like this. Absolutely amazing thing, this song. It was a single. It was the lead single for this album, released before the album came out in December of 76. Somebody to Love dropped on November 19th of 76, and it did very, very well. It was number two in the UK, number 13 in the US, and the top 10 of many countries. 112 beats per minute. Perfect. Honestly, it's perfect. Three, four time signature and one key, A flat major. That's a four flat key, by the way. It's a very rare key for Freddie. And a little bit of context keys have certain notes sharped or flatted in most cases, except for the key of C, which has no sharps, no flats. So here we are with four flats, and it's kind of surprising. Compared to other numbers before it on just this album, like The Millionaire Waltz, for example, we have one time signature and one key. The diversity of Freddie Mercury at work. And this is, do I even have to talk about this? I feel a little bit like 
I did with Bohemian Rhapsody, where I'm, I'm repeating so many things that have already been said. But here we go. A hopeful, hardworking, and soul-searching man who pleads to the Almighty to help him find me somebody to love. The key word here, hopeful. That's what makes this song great, hopeful. I think that's why I've fallen in love with it all of a sudden so much. I feel a little bit like I did when I realized how much I loved Queen to begin with after knowing about them for virtually my entire coherent, you know, awake, memory-filled life. I've known about them forever. And then I suddenly fell for for these this band, for these guys. And now I'm suddenly falling for this song. It is great. This experience is great. And I I I can't believe it's happening. <laughs> it's happening right in front of you guys right now with free-flowing, lush vocals. Great use of vocal canon and extensive multi-tracked magic. Somebody to love is Freddie and Queen at their most decadent and soulful. Freddie, Brian, and Roger don't just sing in the style of gospel. They make use of popular gospel phrases and lyrics, further echoing Freddie's focus on the genre here. You'll find no power chords or aggressive grittiness. It's all packed with soaring piano, moving bass lines, a swing feel, and incredible vocal range and intonations. The guys achieve a moment so melodic, it had to top the charts all over the world. Roger's dynamic drumming is in full display here, just like other races numbers before and after it, and Brian succeeds in yet another lyrical guitar solo that's perfectly singable. With the band once again at the production helm, this song sounds immaculate in its mix. It's a struggle of emotion we can all relate to, a passion, a want we all seek. And somehow, Freddie, despite how down and damaged most of his lyrics are, he brings so much enthusiasm and hope. It's his swooping glissando vocals. It's his aching full chest voice in those glittering high notes and the subtle vocal breaks that appear in his desperation. Yes, Freddie, Brian, and Roger all contribute the vocal tracks that make this the immaculate, stunning, and overwhelming number it is. But Freddie is at the heart of it, driving with such force and intention. Hopefulness here. The hope here. We get through the verses toward the end, and there's this persistence. It's all about hope, and I'm all about hope. And I think... I don't know. This might have just become my favorite number on races. (laughs) It wasn't, but it might have just become that. It was played over 300, played over. (laughs) Look at this. I'm so excited. I'm talking like, yeah, it was played so many times. It was played a lot though. It was played 305 times on every tour from 77 through 85. It was on the set list constantly, especially from 77 through 79. The guys weren't sure they'd ever pull this off live. But it became one of their most loved numbers ever played on a stage. And that's why it remained a mainstay. And live, this is special. It's special because it's so different than the studio version. It has to be. Those vast vocal harmonies are impossible to duplicate. But something about it live is so intimate, but explicit 
explosive in that intimacy. It's rougher. It's enthusiastic. Freddie often alternates his delivery, mostly to preserve the strength of his voice. And it's professional and flawless as he does so. Yeah, he struggled with those higher full chest notes live. Almost anyone would. But that doesn't mean these live performances weren't just as magical and momentous. The real explosion happens after that last verse as Roger begins that drum riff that pounds endlessly, happily in our ears. The guys begin the vocal cannon, stacking on top of one another, repeating, repeating, with even John joining in during those earliest performances. Until the climax arrives, Freddie jumps back to his piano, twinkles a few times, and gives us plenty of vocal jazz and melisma and improvised melodies before pounding out that chord with Raj, Brian, and John. Brian's guitar live is always that much grittier and more present throughout the entirety of the number. Another treat live, Roger's outro choral vocals that go on and on forever in their raspiness and falsetto, while Freddie continues giving us glorious gospel-inspired runs and phrases. In December of 79, you guys, I was listening to and watching a bunch of live performances of this in London. That performance, that intro, my gosh, Freddie, the whole thing, really. Roger's backing vocals and those extra little riffs. Brian's solo and further embellishments. John on bass, solid as ever. And Freddie on fire on that piano and in his voice. The guys are all on fire. It's so different than the Earl's Court performance in 77. It's tighter, confident. I feel the need to give special props to Roger and his often magnificent vocal harmonies on this live number. It's nice to get that because it's almost exclusively Freddie that sings lead live, even on numbers that were sung by Roger or Brian on the album. Modern Times Rock and Roll is one of those numbers. And 39 is one of those numbers. So Roger and Brian's numbers, respectively. Freddie took the lead on those live. But it's nice to get this balance of, again, Freddie swooping around in these improvised deliveries, so passionate in doing so. And Roger just keeps on going, find me somebody to love. Just over and over. It's wonderful. I love it. And in a rare twist, you guys, I'm going to feature a quote from Peter Hentz, the head of Queen's Road Crew, who recalled to Mojo Magazine in September of 2009 that, quote, among the road crew, there were songs you liked and songs you didn't like. This was always one of Queen's best. The studio version was very polished, but on stage, there was so much more guts to it, unquote. I have a ton of quotes from Roger here. <laughs> I ended up picking out a bunch of these from him. And actually, before I go into the ones that I specifically noted, I want to talk about something that was said between him and an interviewer in 77. It might have been part of the same stuff I pulled my notes from here, but it's an interview I've listened to several times. There's several interviews from the same set of the guys. And the interviewer is talking to Roger about somebody to love and how I think some one of his buddies, one of his colleagues, really liked it but didn't want to admit he liked it because he thought it was like the Partridge family or something. And 
as soon as he found out it was Quinn, he was like, oh, oh, yeah. And then Roger jokes about, you know, you'll never find a guitar riff like that (laughs) in one of their songs. And I just, I think that's a little great find. I love it when interviewers will ask about a specific song or respond to a song like that. And it gives the guys an opportunity to talk about their thoughts around the interviewer's response to a song, et cetera. It's just a nice a nice talking point, specifically when songs are brought up. So in a 77 interview, and again, some of this might've been from the same one. I can't remember exactly. Roger commented that when they recorded the vocals, they were trying to combine our sound with almost a gospel sound. And yeah, I think that is from that same recording I've listened to several times. And in regard to live performances, Roger mentioned, quote, somebody to love was hard to do because there are so many voices on the record that I didn't know if we'd be able to do it. I enjoy playing it now. But when we first started the tour, we were dreading it when it came around in the, in the set, unquote. Maybe that explains why that Earl's Court performance I listened to from 77 felt a little bit rough. It was just like it it wasn't quite dialed in yet. There were some hesitations that surprised me, honestly, unless they were just having an off night, which is always possible. But generally speaking, the guys were pretty on. So maybe this was one of those moments where it's early on in the performances. You're not quite sure. He elaborated to Circus Magazine the same year in 77 that Quote, somebody to love is Aretha Franklin influenced. Freddie's very much into that. We tried to keep the track in a loose gospel type feel. I think it's the loosest track we've ever done. And he's absolutely right. Even now, even now, keep in mind that 77, there's so many more albums to go after that year. Even now, I think it is one of the only numbers like this in the Queen catalog. It is truly a unique number in their catalog. In a way, it doesn't even sound like Queen, honestly. In a way, there's something about this that screams some other band. Yes, Freddie's distinctive voice is there. Yes, Brian's soulful lyrical guitar is there. Yes, Roger's pounding drums, John's immaculate, precise bass is there. But the way that this is presented, the way these guys did this, performing it, mixing it, It is done so well in this genre that you almost feel like it's not Queen. I feel like that's a massive accomplishment on their part because they're so good at putting themselves in these different styles. It's a huge, hey, they can do anything. That's exactly what this is. All the more reason to love it all the more. (laughs) So yes, this was the lead single from the album A Day at the Races. And it was yet another white label copy single passed to Freddie's buddy and actually the whole band's buddy, Kenny Everett. Kenny, of course, adored it, played it constantly, igniting the phone lines with callers voting the song their favorite. And the same day Kenny first played Somebody to Love on his show, the song was so popular, it went to number three on the hit line. (laughs) Pretty amazing stuff. It was inspired by Aretha Franklin. Freddie admitted this was his favorite song, not just his favorite Queen song. And apparently, Freddie hoped Aretha would cover this at some point. Interesting fun fact. I remember reading about this when I was going through every single show they ever played and all the details I could find about them. It was during a live performance of this song at Earl's Court on June 6th of 77. That John, who rarely sang on stage anyway, sang harmonies for any Queen song for the last time. 
Now, the fader on his mic was always low, but there were moments his voice crept through in the mix. And by his own admission, he simply couldn't sing. I don't know if it was his decision after that show in 77 to say, I'm never doing this again. But the way I read it, it was that maybe the guys listened to the playback and said, John, you're never going to sing again. Poor guy, because he's so good on his bass and he's so good at writing a song. It's interesting how the voice doesn't always go along with that, but it's very charming and very sweet to hear his voice come through on some of those earlier performances of the band because it's not always the worst thing in the world. I guess in this case, maybe they felt it was just a detractor, but sometimes you hear him a little bit and it's quite a pleasing thing just to know that he's there. You know what I mean? It's kind of precious. This is, of course, the opening track in the film Bohemian Rhapsody, and it's a perfect choice. Freddie's favorite song. It opens with such a rousing hopefulness. We're excited to see the film, etc., etc. Now, there are outtakes of alternate versions of this song with ending vocals that are quite uh, elaborate and penetrating in a really almost, almost overwhelming obsessive way. I've listened to those and I got to say, I'm glad they did it the way they ended up doing it. There is a really cool thing they tried to do with almost a bell-like effect with, I think, Freddie coming in first and then perhaps maybe Brian and then Raj. I can't really tell. Um, but they were trying to layer harmonies. Like somebody, somebody, somebody. You know, they, they were trying to do this lead in, this bell effect with these vocal harmonies as evidently part of the outro. And it is, it's very rough. Obviously, they never they never did it that way. They probably went, eh, we're not doing that. But it's interesting to hear those alternate takes because alternate takes, I love that kind of stuff. Nothing bad to say about this song. Nothing. I mean, honestly, I've never read a thing from anyone saying this is terrible. <laughs> and I think yet another testament to the skill of the guys and the talent of the guys and their commitment to perfection and their commitment to the performance. I mean, I could go on and on about how good this number is. Just the quality of it alone on the album, it stands out. Guys, this is the first time listening to a racist number where I literally have thought, this might be the best sounding thing that I've heard yet. It's really that good. It's easily one of Queen's and Freddie's most loved songs, if not the most loved song in some ways more than Bohemian Rhapsody because somebody to love has such soul. I mean, for obvious reasons, and it's a melody that hooks you. It's more cyclic, a little bit more predictable. And because I think because of that, it's more appealing in some ways. So where bow rap contains innovative and amazing experimentation and execution, the sheer heart and intensity of the song wins many a fan over. It's got a more predictable, conventional, accessible song structure. It's poppier for that reason. And honestly, I've yet to meet someone who doesn't like this song. I mean, really like this song. And but despite comparisons, constant comparisons to bow rap, beyond the vocal layering, I don't actually hear a lot of similarities. And I want to talk about that a little bit because I know people compare these two all the time. Maybe Freddie did himself and that's why people do it. It's They're both Freddie numbers, right? But honestly, if you think about anything but the operatic vocals in Bo Rap, I mean, really, 
Bohemian Rhapsody has so many movements in it. It's like a symphony of movements, right? It, it's, it's like this little epic, right? It's, it's not like Somebody to Love. These two songs are nothing alike, in my opinion. Somebody to Love is poppier. It's gospel. It's soulful. It's passionate. I mean, not to say that Bo Rap isn't passionate. There's just something about this, though, that because of that more conventional song structure, it really doesn't sound anything like Bohemian Rhapsody. And I just have to say that. I don't really have anything to elaborate on that. I just, I feel like these two songs are compared a lot and there's really nothing if you take those vocals out. And and of course, the, the vocals in Somebody to Love, the vocals that carry us throughout this song, and we're gonna talk about this in more detail, that is such a stark contrast too compared to Bohemian Rhapsody, which has those operatic vocals in the section, but it's otherwise just Freddie, right? So, so I don't know. I find it interesting that people compare the two so much. And maybe it's just because they are so well-known. They're so well-loved. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about the song in detail, you guys. The way this starts, so soft, unassuming, absolutely breathtaking. A simple chord, one word, breathy in its delivery, so much emotion, flawless. And then the boys, all of them, all tons of them as they're recorded. Octaves, harmonies, layer upon layer. They surround you, consume you, implore, hope, seek. The dynamics, I could talk about that all day. The phrasing, the pausing, the space, it's like you take my breath away all over again. But this time, it's not just Freddie. It's everybody. It's everything. This intro, really, it's one of the most stunning things the guys ever did. The piano, it carries the chords, but it's blended so flawlessly, it's just another voice. When Freddie begins that dance on the piano, are we at church? Seriously, his goal, it worked. And his falsetto, Roger's little cymbal, John on his bass drives in and that riff on the drums, Freddie's voice, ugh, it's so pure and pristine. The transitions, the legato and glissandos, probably innate in their performance, certainly poised and perfect. And as the backing chorus chimes in again, we're discovering this is not like bow rap. Nope, really. It's not at all. These vocals, these antiphonal vocals that echo and sway and command our attention, they're carrying us through this number in its entirety with so many variations. Whenever I listen to this, every time I have to go backwards to hear sections over and over. The details in every voice and instrument. The end of the verse is a gorgeous counterpoint with those vocal harmonies. Low harmonies trailing down, higher ones reaching even higher, expanding the reach and the depth and the emotion. As we shift into that transition, linking the verse to the next, Roger's drums sound like they're right there in front of you. This is the mixing and production I was talking about. The clarity, the precision, the energy, it's right there. It's a tangible sound. And Freddie pounds that piano and Roger pounds those toms. We haven't even heard Brian yet. So much happening already. The second half of the second verse, those lead and choral vocals that bounce and blend and play off each other, ah, oh, they're divine. I wanna talk about Freddie again and his voice. 
there's so much natural tone here. Like he's singing only to himself and not trying to do anything other than just be and sing. He's clearer here. There's some aggression and grittiness and a sharpness to his performance. Beautiful. And oh, the second time he sings, somebody to love, full chest voice. And he goes up a whole step when we least expect it. John's persistent tonic and that little lick making a subtle but necessary burst into the forefront, into the bridge. You know what? This is the first time I've just realized that's actually the moment Brian finally appears. Really? How did it take so long to notice that? You know how many times I've heard this? Again, I've heard it so many times. Amazing how this song just keeps surprising. That's how seamless this entire song is. And what an entrance, Brian. Aggressive statements on the beat. A little soul in there. I got nobody left to believe. What happens here? With Freddie flying up the scale in his falsetto right after that, the repeated choral vocals, Brian adding more fire and weight with his guitar chords, and into his longing solo we go. The best part, you guys, we're not even halfway through the song at this point. Not even halfway through this miraculous number. How does Brian do this? He takes a melody and vocal performance and turns it into something else entirely that totally echoes it's inspiration. Amazing. There are moments Brian makes me want to learn guitar, to play it like this. And this is one of those moments. That next chorus, every syllable, every beat, all the crashes and the cymbals and the piano and the bass. Freddie, darling, what did you do here? The phrase, those notes at the end. Somebody to love. Ooh, just lovely variation of this phrase through the whole thing. It just builds in that intensity. The last verse, the epicness of it all. I love the moment where he sings, I ain't gonna face no defeat. It almost sounds like he's going, face the defeat. <laughs> Sing it, Freddie, sang it. And Roger, the number of people who think his sassy, that little, yeah, is a guitar. People, that's Roger. That's why in the video, he makes a point to say to mouth, yeah, all by himself there. I love it. I just got to get out of this prison cell. Someday I'm going to be free. Lord, and it fades out. Enter the moment everyone has sang or memed or imitated or celebrated or clapped along with or improvised a vocal with or danced to or got goosebumps too? Yes. The hand claps make this moment so memorable. Somebody find me, somebody find me, somebody to love. At the end of this rousing climax, I love that we get that piano, or is it the bass? I actually cannot tell. It lingers on that fifth as Freddie comes sweeping in on that dramatic closer. You guys know what I'm talking about. Somebody to love. Another incredible dynamic vocal moment and an impeccable work of melisma in that riff from our favorite front man. These piano arpeggios that cycle and circle and the drums, the repeating and pleading choral vocals, all stunning. 
But it's Freddie's improvised gospel-influenced performance that I think we all love best here. There are quiet, casually delivered expressions buried in the outro, along with Roger's soaring falsetto, and I love it. A treat to the ears after so many listens, this thing. You got to crank this up all the way through to really get the feel and experience of this absolutely stunning number. What a song. What a sweeping, glorious song this is. It really is one of the best sounding things on races. It sounds so good. It sounds like it was recorded yesterday. The quality of every number on this album, but especially this one, is through the roof. And I think blaring it in my ears over and over again at such a high volume over the last couple of days has certainly increased my love for it. There's something about songs that are loud. I'll say it again. Loudness is important. I'm not talking about a constant loudness, like the loudness wars. I'm talking about this intensity that builds, a climax that comes. And this is one of those songs that does that in such a fantastic way, especially the way that last verse fades out and then we get that build of that vocal cannon and everything just explodes. It's, it's a wonderful moment of goosebump inducing dopamine here. And I love this song. I know you guys probably all love it. But go check out a live performance or two. Everybody talks about the 81 Montreal performance, but really the one I was talking about from 79. Oh, you guys. It's so good. The moment it opens, Freddie just sets that tone. And all I can think is, wow, he set the bar. And the guys just carry it the whole way through the rest of the way. It's so good. Check it out, seriously. Go listen to any and all performances of this song. Fall in love with it deeper than you have already, just like I am now. Right in front of you guys, it is happening in real time. There are some songs that I continue to fall more and more in love with. And clearly, Somebody to Love is one of them keep yourselves alive. I will be back next time. Another queen deep dive, I anticipate. We're getting through side two of their fabulous fifth, A Day at the Races. Okay, guys, I'll talk to you later.